Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Nami Hinui and welcome to Our Changing World. From Radio New Zealand National. New Plymouth's museum, Poke Ariki, has a huge natural sciences collection, but it's never been fully catalogued, so they're not exactly sure just how big it is. Enter natural science specialist Joe Fitness, who's been brought in to catalogue the collection and to make it more accessible. Poarahi Toku Ihotanga heritage manager Andrew Moffat takes Ruth Barron behind the scenes at the museum to see what Joe is working on. All right, so welcome to the, uh, this is the Pukiariki Collection Store, our main storehouse of all our heritage treasures, I guess. If you look around, just painting a little picture, uh, this is the old uh, War Memorial Hall. Uh, you notice we've got uh, very high ceilings here, and you can see some original features like our projection box, our beautiful dance floor uh, down on the floor here. Lovely wooden floor. Beautiful wooden floor and a lot of original features. But it's also, uh, while you're here, is it's the home of the uh, Natural Wonders Project. And what is the Natural Wonders Project? So this is an exciting project uh, because people often think of museums as uh, perhaps exhibitions and uh, was being things out the front. But uh, one of the things that drives those and is a very important part of what we do at Pukareki is caring uh, for the collections and making those, those things available for all the great uses that they can be put to. And that's what Natural Wonders is about. So it came about, we've got a, uh, a sizeable uh, natural sciences collection here at Pukareki. Over the years it's been donated in all sorts of different ways, coming uh, from individuals, from organisations, from, yeah all sorts of sources really Uh, and it's like a lot of the collections here and museums around the country and the world uh, sometimes uh, their eyes were bigger than their stomachs if you like so they took on more than they could deal with in terms of collecting so what it's left us with is an amazing resource with um, a lot of work to do to share it really so this is what the Natural Wonders is about. So in order to do that, we've secured some support. We've got an ongoing relationship with the Taranaki Regional Council and uh, we came to them with a, with a proposition saying that, uh, you know, we've got this amazing collection. How do we get it out there and share it? And what we need is a specialist to work on that collection and bring it out into the light, really. So that's what, uh, what the project is about, in essence. And who's the specialist? So the specialist is Joe Fitness. So... Uh, she brings to the table a, a wealth of uh, experience and, and scientific knowledge, which is just what we wanted. So what have you been working on, Joe? So as Andrew said, the Natural Science Collection is quite large and it covers a lot of different items from botany, uh, we've got taxidermy animals, uh, mostly birds. We've got a wet collection, which includes, um, as is usually explained around here, dead things in jars or gross things in jars. <laughs> um, and we've got a really awesome insect collection, which is um, really, really important for the Taranaki region. And we've also got a huge geology and fossil collection here. And it's all stored in these um, cabinets here behind me. We've got lots and lots and lots of filing here, I can see. Yes. So where do you work? So um, I spend most of my time up 
upstairs in the den. <laughs> and a lot, but a lot of the collection is down here on the ground floor in one or two of these firelands, um, surrounded by a lot of our social history stuff as well. So yeah. part of my job has been to find it <laughs> and put it all together. So now it should be easily accessible to the curators. Mm. That's right, I should say that a lot of this material has been you know, cared for. We've got climate-controlled environment in here. Uh, we're caring for things, you know, as Joe said, it's a mixed collection area, but we've got it you know, secure and stored. But what was missing often in the pieces is the, uh, is the detailed cataloguing information, and that can help in basic ways, like how many of these things do we have? How can we find it easily when somebody comes in wanting to research particular areas? So having this collection catalogued is going to mean boosting the access to the whole collection, really. So, Do you know how many items there are to catalogue? Uh, I would say we don't know exactly how many items. That's, that's part of the point. I guess we'll be able to give you a much more exact number uh, once Joe's completed her work, really. So... Yeah, you know, we, it's like with the uh, the rest of the collection, which is not not fully catalogued. Uh, yeah, it's still, you know, we can give you approximates of, of different parts of the collection, but no, we'll have a more exact number once this work is complete. Yeah. So it sounds like a big job, Joe. It is a huge job, but it's a fun one. <laughs> and what are you working on at the moment? Um, so at the moment, I am working on a book of pressed ferns from. New Zealand, so these are all our native ferns, and it's just large sheets of dried ferns that need to be catalogued. I found it on a shelf <laughs> in a box when I was just sort of looking for other things, so yeah, that's been something I'm going to be working on today, and yeah. Is that what you're finding, that you're just discovering things on shelves? Sometimes, because as Andrew said, we don't always know where these things are. Some of them have a basic catalogue so we know it exists and I've just had to go find it and that's you know that's part of the I suppose the wonder of it you get to wander down these aisles and find things and then I'm just trying to put it all together so I'll add the location so when we need it in the future we should just be able to go straight there. What are some of the more exciting things that you've looked at? Probably the most exciting thing was definitely the Ken Fox collection. That's um, a huge insect collection from a local doctor. And that was donated to us in 86, I think, from memory, after he died. And that's just huge. There's thousands of insects in there, and it's all Taranaki-related and um, really, really beautifully preserved. So can we take a look at it? We them? can, yep. So it's in a... Um, currently stored in a cabinet that was made um, out of native wood and was donated by the friends of the museum. Oh, isn't that beautiful? So, very, very gorgeous. And it's just drawers of insects here. We've got 14 drawers in total. Um, only, I think, eight of them are actually from Ken Fox and some of them have been filled up with uh, other local insects from enthusiasts. So most of the drawers are just moths and butterflies, and that was Ken's favourite. Um, he contributed a huge amount of scientific knowledge to the moth world, and he's done all the collecting from mostly Mount Taranaki. So at one point um, in an obituary, it was noted that he had New Zealand's greatest alpine collection of moths. Um, Look at that one there, that's huge. Isn't that's, it? that's our Peruri moth, New Zealand's largest moth. Mm. And as you can see, they're just beautifully preserved. 
really stable condition and it's been really well looked after. And so my job was to make sure each individual insect was catalogued. We've taken photos, so it's all available online. Any information I've been able to find about it. And Ken was really good that he did put on each insect uh, um, the information of where he collected, when he collected, who exactly collected, because he obviously went out sometimes with friends and things. Yeah, so that's all now on catalogue, and we've just got drawers. And this probably took months' worth of work to go through. As I said, I think there's over a thousand moths in this collection, um, some quite tiny little ones and some large. He also discovered new species, which is really, really important. Um, one he described, which is actually a really gorgeous one. I'll see if I can find it. This one here. So it's nice and orange, almost a bright orange, with um, wiggly lines. And he described that, um, which is something that's not an easy feat, and usually you have to be an expert to be able to do that. And he had that knowledge that he was able to do that. And he recognised a number of new species as And well. he's got some of the pupae as well, does he? Yeah, because some of them, um, the notes suggest that he collected the pupae and obviously took them back home and he let them emerge. So he's got the cocoon as well as the actual adult moth as well. Right. So he... Um, as well as just being able to identify species and describe them, he also made notes on the, a little bit about their life cycle as well as um, one of his probably best paper um, was on understanding the transmigration of moths and butterflies from Australia to New Zealand, which quite often get blown over in storms and stuff, and he wrote that up about that, and that's obviously something now scientists recognise as a common phenomenon, and that was his idea and, yeah... He, um, just before he died, he started doing beetles. So these aren't as well identified, and that's probably not anything because he just never got time or anything, but also a lot of beetles haven't been discovered yet or uh, are undescribed, so, and, and this is just reflects, I think, that importance in taxonomy and science that we are still learning always. I mean, these are... Again, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of beetles here, and a lot haven't been descri um, described or discovered. And some beautiful green ones here. Yep. We've got some ones with very long antennas. Just amazing diversity, too. And did he go on tramps to find these? Yeah, so some of these are um, quite widespread and will be found in gardens. So like you've got your hoo-hoo beetle there, which... You know, comes into your house at night. Um, got click beetles, the Schaefer beetles here. The green ones are ones that you'll find in your garden. But again, he did a lot of this from when he went up the mountain. Um, some of this comes from Manaya or Mocha, so obviously like family trips out or something. And as naturalists do, you can't stop but collect things <laughs> and take them home. And yeah, so he's managed to you know accumulate this amazing collection with a lot of unidentified species so we do hope to get a beetle expert um, who can help us identify them and as you can see a lot of them are just small dark brown things and this drawer in particular uh, you know microscopic beetles yeah, only a couple also, of millimeters those are the giraffe those are the giraffe weevils yes yeah so again some are obviously fairly easy to be able to point out um, most of these are all native um, but you, we obviously have a few um, introduced beetles, but you know it's predominantly native, and that's one of the key things in this collection as well. Is he's managed to really showcase 
our local diversity. Yeah, and as you say, some of these are what, you know, only a few millimetres long. Yeah. So he's kind of gone from the really large to the really small. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, some you'll find in your garden and some only found on Mount Taranaki. And that's not, you know, people don't go out there just collecting insects. So this work here will help us understand that area better. So it's an amazing collection that... At, some point I would like to see on exhibit someday. And is that the goal that is of the goal. what you're doing? Yeah, so this has been sort of unworked on and so part of my goal is to bring it to light so it can be used, whether it's for education, whether it's for events and then upgrading exhibits and stuff over the years, you know we can use this kind of stuff and that's what it's all about, knowing what's here so it can be used. So it's sort of locked away in our little treasure cupboard there. So once you've found something that you want to identify, a tray or a book yep. or something, where do you take it? So I take it upstairs and we can come up here where I work. I've got currently up here a book of ferns, the dried ferns that I was talking about before, and that's up here ready to go. So I work up here. So I've just got to put gloves on because... We don't want my greasy hands ruining this stuff. Some of the stuff is 50 years old or so, so it's really important to um, just be careful with how I handle it. So it's quite a large book, um, Ferns, and it's quite an old style. And that's just... Um, like a folio style. It is for like a folio style. Um, it always amazes me because it specifically says ferns on the front. <laughs> so it was obviously made for this purpose. And it's just cards of pressed, dried ferns. And so what I will be doing for cataloguing it is uh, each page I will be given a part number. And I'm just identifying the species. In this case, it's called this one here, Lamaria discolor. Now, I know that that's actually not the correct name anymore. It's a blacknum discolor. So I'll make sure that I've identified it correctly with the current valid name. But I'll also put that in so that people know that when they come in to find this page, they've got to look for that name, not blacknum. And we've been putting this tissue on top of them which is just a really nice soft tissue and that will just help protect the plants from friction from pages on above it and just help absorb any moisture that might get in. Um, although this room's temperature controlled and so that's unlikely to happen, it's just a safety precaution that we are carrying out to make it last another They're pretty well preserved. They're well. pretty well preserved, yep. So this book may have not been opened for years and years. So it's been really well looked after so this one has um, two different species so all I know from this page here is that these two species were collected from Mount Arthur so that's in the South Island this species has been identified but the top one hasn't so I will go through and try and identify it it's got that beautiful copper plate writing underneath with the identification and where it was found. How old are we talking for this book? I'm not sure. It doesn't have any information on the actual specimen, but I can have a look in the catalogue and we can see if it's got um, some provenance and acquisition data, 
because this has already been catalogued to some extent. It's got an accession number. So if we go and have a look. So the catalogue we um, use is Vernon and that's where we catalogue all our collections. So the entire um, museum collection is in here and or hopefully will be in here one day. So we we got it in 1988 as a gift, but it, we don't have any information on from who. But it's also likely that that was quite old before we got it, and it's probably something that someone's found and don't want. And um, we quite often get things that, you know, if someone's passed and the family have gone through, and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to look after this. <laughs> Let's take it to the museum." Um, and this is the kind of thing we will take because it's really valuable um, at a national level. And um, you know, gorgeous, um, yeah, well preserved. So it's something we would, we would take on. Obviously, some of these specimens aren't from Taranaki, so nowadays we might be a little bit more like maybe it better to go to a different institute that from that area. But um, Miss Barry Cote, Richmond, she's possibly a local lady, which is why we've also taken it on. In this Vernon catalogue here, we do a brief description, which is what we see. It's a nice large book of ferns. And we, well, as you can see, I started here. Page one was Blecknum discolour, but um, it was Lamaria discolour. So I've had to re-identify it to be the correct species. Quick basic description, and we'll do all the pages. And some of the fern books I've gone in will have like 60, 70 pages in them. So it's a process <laughs> and not all of them are well as well preserved as these are and that will then get a photo and will go online so if people went to our Pukiariki website they can um, search our database so you can type in ferns and these types of things will come up if you want insects you type in insects or moths they will all come up and you can see everything that we have here and that's one way that we want to be able to share our collection. Obviously, it can't all go on exhibition because it's only a small space over there, but people can see what we have, and, and it gives them the opportunity, I think, to come to us for more detail if they want to or are interested in it, and, you yeah. know, so that's the ultimate goal in the end. And we're getting there. We're nearly done. <laughs> can people come and access them if they want to? Uh, with permission. So, obviously, this is um, a secure room. So if they um, contact the curators and they have reason to really want to come and see things, you know, we can arrange a time and people can come and have a look at it. And we do have um, the odd person who's, you know, looking for something and has wanted to um, come see it for themselves in real. And, and that's part of why we do this as well, so people know it's here. Otherwise, it will never get used or seen until we put on exhibit and we don't change them out as regularly as we'd probably like to because it's a big process. So, yep, if people want to see this stuff, now that it's on catalogue and we also know where it is, they arrange with the curators and they can come in and have a look for themselves. How much more do you have to go? I still have quite a bit. We had a list of priorities to do. This is a huge collection. And so using going through that priority, I've done the insects, most of the plants. This book was um, unknown to me until a few days ago. And... The useful stuff is definitely well and truly on its way to being completed. And we've just I've just finished doing out in the exhibition, which is where um, 
we've had things out there for 10 years. So I've had to go out and identify them and find them and make sure their catalogue is all up to date. That was natural science cataloguer Joel Fitness. And you also heard from historian Andrew Moffat, both at New Plymouth's Museum, Pukehariki. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can find more stories on our webpage, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash our changing world. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.